Welcome to Zen Bites, where we blend ancient wisdom and business continuity, empowering mindful entrepreneurs to create a CX-focused Zen lifestyle business. Welcome, I'm your host, Shane. And this week's topic is building a team of five-star employees with our special guest, Danielle Mulvey. Now, Danielle is a former flight attendant turned entrepreneur who has cracked the code on recruiting and retaining what she refers to as five-star employees. So welcome to Zimbites, Danielle. Thank you, Shane. It's awesome to be here this morning. Great. So tell us about your journey from flight attendant to entrepreneur and scaling your companies to over $50 million in revenue. Well, uh, after I graduated college, um, I sort of took my gap year then and um, decided to be a flight attendant to travel and and check things out and kind of decide where I wanted to settle um, after graduation and start my career. And so that was an interesting experience. And I learned a lot of a lot of interesting things about that position. And what was so interesting about it was um, the way that I flew for American Airlines. So I flew for one of the majors like United Delta American. Right. And they were very rigid with their employees, including their flight attendants. And um, what was also interesting about that organization is there wasn't a lot of... Um, collaboration among the different work groups. So you have like pilots, flight attendants, and gate agents, et cetera. And this is pre-9-11. So, you know, this is a, a different era in, in aviation history. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and then there were things that um, we couldn't, um, we, they, were, they would give us equipment, um, but we weren't allowed to use it in the aisle way. We weren't allowed to do certain things. We weren't allowed to say um, specific words and such. We had no ownership over our position or our role as a flight attendant. And what's funny is, is if you think about, and you, you I'm sure we've all experienced um, flying a United, Delta, or American versus a Southwest Airlines. And what's interesting is, is Southwest Airlines gives their flight attendants complete ownership of their position. Um, they can, you know, sort of say what they want. Um, they can crack jokes. They can have fun. They can make their job fun. Um, they give them, you know, they, they want them to be limber. They want them to be flexible. Um, and, and American was again, very rigid and you didn't own your position. And, you know, I think it's clear that job satisfaction amongst the United American Delta flight attendants versus the Southwest flight attendants is like night and day. <laughs> Job satisfaction is incredibly high with, with Southwest Airlines uh, flight attendants because they can own the position. And so I think that's something that's really important for business owners to really grasp and understand is that you want to hire people in your organization that you can trust and that you can give them ownership of their position. And when someone has ownership of something, they treat it differently. They treat it better. Um, and, and oftentimes, I think organizations tend to think, oh, if we're rigid, um, then we'll have consistency and um, everything will be better if, if we do all the thinking for them and, uh, and, and don't let them step out outside the lines. And, and I say, you know, not, not so much. Um, you start to then get people who um, 
you know, the term right now is quiet quitters. You get people who just show up and do the minimum um, because they don't feel invested. They don't feel like they're part of, of having a say in, in what they do and, and how they do it. And that's clearly um, just not working in the workplace today. Right, right. I understand that. Yeah. So then you, you, you transitioned from flight attendant to entrepreneur. Yes. So um, I spent, after I left the airlines, I uh, worked for an advertising and marketing agency in Nashville, Tennessee. And that was an interesting um, year, uh, a little over a year. Uh, There was about 70 plus employees when I started. And within a year, it was down to 14 employees. Um, there was just this mass exodus. It, the, the agency was spiraling down at a rapid, rapid pace. Uh, I tried to quit uh, twice and was offered gobs and gobs of more money. And I took it. And then on the third time I quit, I said, no amount of money can make me stay. Um, <laughs> it was, it was, it was just a um, becoming uh, just an impossible environment um, to work in and such. And um, so I uh, just kind of was like, I, I think I can do this better. So I actually went out on my own and started my own advertising and marketing agency. And within um, about a year, we were doing over a million dollars in revenue at, at that point. Um, and so the funny thing is, is I started that when I was 25. Um, so my hiring strategy was to hire people younger than me at that point, because uh, if I, if they were new, then they would know that I didn't know what I was doing because clearly I was uh, pretty young to be um, owning an advertising and marketing agency. And that strategy worked for a while. I had like great employees and then, and then it kind of stopped working. Um, I had one employee who... I remember distinctly waking up on a Monday morning and saying, can I call in sick to my own company? Like I, the thought <laughs> of having to go in on a Monday and deal with this employee for another week just made me want to stay in bed, literally. <laughs> and that just really became the moment that I drew a line in the sand and and said, I've got to really understand how not to make this kind of hiring mistake again and how I can really replicate the great employees that I have and be consistent. So 20, almost 25 years later, uh, you know, I, I, I have just really nailed how to recruit, hire, and retain what we define as five-star employees. But the interesting thing about that is that a five-star employee represents the top 15% of available talent in the market at the given rate. So it means that the majority of, of, of candidates out there for the role are not the right fit. They're not, they're one, two, or three-star employee. Um, so the, the point is, is that when you hire people, you need to use an objective system like the five-star employee rating system so that you can filter out the average ho-hum or worse employees or candidates for the role. So one thing that is important also to point out here is that not just because someone is a is is a two-star employee uh, for one role doesn't mean that they can't be a five-star employee for another role. So for example, I could get hired as a bookkeeper tomorrow easily. And, uh, but I'm going to tell you, I would be a two-star bookkeeper because while I could do the job, I wouldn't love it. I don't have a passion for it. 
Um, it's just kind of boring to me, et cetera. But that doesn't mean that I'm not a five-star entrepreneur. So, you know, it's really about um, in the in the recruitment and hiring process of filtering out candidates, is it's to find that 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 needle in the haystack, the person who is perfectly aligned with your core values, that person who has the 11 universal qualities of a five-star employee, that uh, candidate who has the aptitudes and skills that you're looking for. And when we're talking about that, we're talking about you testing them for those specific aptitudes and skills and asking them pointed questions about that. We're talking about people who say, yes, I, 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 I understand what you mean in terms of what success looks like for that role. Yes, sign me up to be a claims examiner. I will hit 98% financial accuracy. I will hit 95% procedural accuracy. And I will hit 42 claims per day because I like to gamify my work. So you want to have success metrics that are quantifiable, that define what success looks like in the role. And then um, you want to make sure that the person's aligned with the contributions to the company. So everyone should be producing at least a 3x return on their salary. So if someone is making $50,000 a year, they should be, you know, in some way impacting or contributing to $150,000 in revenue to the company. Right. Right. And so you teach business owners how to identify five-star employees from the interview process or maybe before on. Yeah. Yeah, it starts it starts with recruitment and you know to be honest it's about uh, starting with the right kind of job posting that is helping you stand out from the crowd. Uh, if you're hiring a bookkeeper, you're not saying uh, part-time bookkeeper or full-time bookkeeper, work from home, remote. Uh, what you want to do is you want to get real specific. So for example, you'd want to say if I was hiring a bookkeeper for one of my companies, I would say um, small business bookkeeper with the heart of a teacher. So I'm not looking for an average bookkeeper. I'm looking for someone who has the heart of a teacher, who has some passion for for really helping people understand um, the numbers and such. And I'm also looking for someone who really, again, has a passion for small business. I was very specific that I'm looking for a small business um, bookkeeper. So you want to get pretty specific and that'll help you stand out in the job postings uh, as well. And again, attract that person that um, you know is is wanting more of a connection and more of a purpose with their with their job. Remember, we talked about when I was a flight attendant. People want to own something, and so people want to to be part of of having a a, gr- a greater purpose and having contributions that um, are obvious to to the company and to the company's clients. Yeah, and then the cultural fit. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, so so in so. What we do is we also um, help uh, business owners really define um, what exactly they're looking for and what they're not looking for. Like, how do we not repeat these same hiring mistakes that we've done in the past? And right now we have a cohort going. And um, yesterday was was day two of it. And uh, we're working with actually bookkeeping firms in, in this specific niche cohort. And um, and we've got their teams on and we're talking about things and we're, we're talking about questions that they can ask in the interview process. And we're talking about the 11 qualities and someone on the on the Zoom was just like, oh my gosh, my mind is blown. Like, you know, when you take a few moments to really kind of just be still, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Um, Be still about like what's what's going on and and, and you're quiet and you really think, okay, what has not worked and and how can we avoid, 
you know, not repeating those same mistakes, what kind of questions should we be asking? Um, it really becomes like a game changer. And unfortunately, when it comes to hiring, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs just have this like, oh, like I, I, they kind of put it off to a certain degree. It's almost like they, um, you know, they, they, they have this negative connotation or negative mindset about it because it's like, all right, well, you know, the chances of this turning out well is, you know, 25%, which is actually the average of people being successful at hiring five-star employees. So out of every four hires, three are, are not five-star employees. Um, and, and so what you want to do is you want to have a really positive mindset. You want to know exactly what you're looking for. You want to have pointed questions, very specific questions. Um, we help, uh, companies create just very comprehensive interview packets so that they can really get to know a candidate and understand, um, are they truly a right fit for the role and a right fit, like you mentioned, for the culture? Uh, we also suggest that a great way to check for culture, cultural fit is um, to invite candidates to a shadow day. So even if you're a company that works remotely, there's no reason why that person can't um, participate in a shadow day, um, sit in on client meetings, sit in on right. team meetings, uh, you know, just kind of like watch you as you work to see what a day in the life of that role looks like is really, really important. Um, and uh, we also talk about like, you know, even, even including on your recruitment website, what a day in the life or the week in the life of the position looks like. Um, because you want, if you go, if you go all in on your recruitment, hiring and retention as a business owner, guess what happens? The employees go all in on you. And isn't that what, 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 what we want, but, but the owner has to go all in first. Right. Definitely. So what's the biggest mistake that you've seen entrepreneurs make when they're um, during the hiring process? Um, I, oh gosh, <laughs> I, I'd say the biggest mistake is that um, they go with, um, they go with their gut and they're too subjective in their hiring process and they don't have a way to objectively assess talent. So here's a great example. Um, and, you know, I've, I've gotten into this and, and decided to share, um, you know, all of my work that I've been doing and I'm collaborating with Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First on his next book that will come out in December, 2023 on this topic. Um, because uh, I, I was working with my dad's company, you know, he asked me for some help and to kind of consult with him on some things with his company. He's been in business for 45 years, and I swear he's got employees who've been with him for 45 years, <laughs> 40 years, you know, just people who've been with him a long time. And a lot has changed in, in the construction industry since then and such, but he needed to hire um, a new... Um, a new controller for his company. And so I, he asked me to sit in on interviews along with someone from his accounting firm. And, um, and it was funny because we had four candidates and um, he ruled out the first candidate because the poor guy wore a suit. I mean, can you get more subjective? <laughs> he was, he was the most qualified candidate. It was the, he, he was, he was, he was the, he was the number 
one person on the accountant's uh, recommendations who sat in on the interviews, but my dad said, nope, he wore a suit. (laughs) Okay. So my dad's number one pick out of the four candidates was a young man who was a recent college graduate from UCLA who played on their, uh, you know, championship volleyball team. And my dad played sports in college. So that was my dad's pick. The, the young man had, did not have even an accounting degree, <laughs> um, had, had zero qualifications um, to, to be the controller of, of a company that you know, was doing tens of millions of dollars a year in business, in an, in an industry where there's a lot of um, compliance requirements, especially um, around um, wages and labor and, and union and things like that. Um, and and that, was my, that was my dad's pick. And so at that point, I was just like, oh, <laughs> like, you know, this, this, is, this, is what the, this is the problem of what the majority of entrepreneurs, it's like, you know, they're, they're like, okay, well, I want to hire some that, that seems like me. So that candidate seemed the most like my dad, who doesn't wear a suit, who hates wearing suits, obviously. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I mean, that's probably an extreme example, but, but we tend to be too subjective in, in our hiring process. And, and in that subjectivity, I mean, there's good, there's good aspects. I mean, we tend to want to believe people what they say. Oh, you do know QuickBooks? Great. I trust you. Well, what you need to do is you need to test them, not trust them. Um, you know, and 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 of course, someone is, who's applying for a job is going to do everything they can and say everything they can to get the job. And even if it's not the right job, they tend to like you know maybe sometimes oversell themselves on their capabilities. And so you know, again, we're getting into that subjectivity of 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 believing people and wanting to believe people and wanting to see the good in people. But, you know, I mean, again, if, if I went and, and, and applied for a bookkeeping position and had interviews and someone hired me, I mean, not good. They didn't do a good job of, of, of really vetting me out because I'd be a two-star bookkeeper. Right. Right. Hmm. So how did the kid fare? I'm just kidding. Uh, he was <laughs> we threw ourselves in front myself and the and the person from the accounting firm threw ourselves in front of the door and was just like, no, we cannot we're, we cannot let this happen. So there was there was some horrible negotiation. Um I, I, this is embarrassing. Um there was horrible negotiation. And so it's like we ended up with the middle candidate who just don't get me started. <laughs> The guy with the suit is still did not get the job. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's not my company, you know, like I can't like, you know, right, right. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. But, so, so tell me what's, oh, I have a, I have a one question that's been, I've always wanted the answer to um, what's the difference between a recruiter and a headhunter? Oh gosh. Um, okay. So a headhunter is going to, um, dial for candidates and, um, and they're actually going to start developing a pool of candidates and, um, they're going to have what, what we refer to also as a virtual bench. So they're going to already have relationships established with people. Um, they are really hardcore networking in the industry 
And, um, you know, they're going to find the person and they're going to come back um, with that person. Um, and, and, and a recruiter is um, a, probably a, a, a milder, more uh, gentle version of, um, of a headhunter. So typically headhunters are independent contractors. Uh, you go to a headhunter and you say, hey, I, I need a rock star salesperson, go find it. And so they use all means um, possible to, to, to do that and to deliver that candidate to you. A recruiter is, is more often an in-house position or it's more of a collaborative position um, in representing the company a little um, more obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, and and so they're they're doing things. A headhunter is not going to go to a college fair. Um, a recruiter is going to go to a college fair. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So the headhunter is a little bit more. Well, they use their their network to kind of find people. Um, a little bit more stealthier in terms of maybe their approach. Uh, yes, 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 exactly. Um, and 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 they're really. Uh, they're they're looking under every every nook and cranny around every corner to identify a candidate, and recruiters are are sort of going about more obvious routes of right. of finding Correct. candidates. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Now, what's this other term that I came across? Top grading. What is that? Okay, so top grading. Actually, um, I studied top grading. Um, I actually uh, did a program. Uh, with Vern Harnish at Birthing of Giants um, and with the smarts on top grading. And top grading was um, used by uh, GE and Jack Welch back in the day of like the 80s and 90s. And top grading um, is about ranking employees as A, B, or C employees. And um, and, and in top grading and in GE back in their real heyday, uh, they would definitely grade the employees as A, B, or C. And if someone was a C, those people were moved out and, you know, more A players were brought in. So um, the top grading though is, it's great. Um, and, you know, they definitely have like a, a very structured interview process, et cetera, but um, it doesn't really teach using any sort of technology. So again, a lot has changed since top grading you know, came out. Um, and so we, we find with the five-star rating system and teaching that is part of it is in your, in your application process, you should have multiple filters. And so you're filtering out candidates. So if you want to get to the top 15% of available talent, then you need to be filtering out those candidates. So for example, um, you know, in our recruitment and hiring process, we use um, assessments out of the gate. And so when someone applies online, um, we outline, you know, here are our, um, our, here's our hiring process. Here are all the steps to it. And step after you apply, the next step is you're sent an assessment and it takes about 35 minutes to do it. And you need to do it in 24 hours of receiving it. The assessment automatically goes out when someone applies. And um, the people who take it and pass with 70% or higher move on to our next step. The people who take it and score less than 70% are automatically filtered out as considered for a candidate. 
um, because our assessment and the scoring goes against a benchmark that's specific to the role. So we have different benchmarks on the assessments depending upon the role. And we create those benchmarks by having our best employees in that role take the assessment and then we create the benchmark around them. So it's it's a way for us to to a certain degree start cloning our best employees for for specific roles. Um, and but you know what here's the crazy thing is the majority of applicants who apply to a job that says the next step is to take an assessment, don't take the assessment. Right. About 60% of the applicants do not take the assessment. And so right there, we are eliminating them from consideration. Those people have already said, I, I don't really, I, I'm, not, I'm not all in for this role. So if they're not all in for this role, they're out. Um, and so that's an example. Um, you know, top grading really relies on on a structured interview, which is great. And and we we have very structured interviews as well in in our process. But but they don't leverage any sort of assessments or technology or other things. It's really going off the um, the the structured interview process, which I find to be wasteful of a candidate's time. Like I. It, I'd, I'd rather kind of know a little bit earlier in the process um, if if the candidate is is viable or not, and not just right. depend upon the structured interview process. Exactly. Yeah. So, what are Buffalo oriented entrepreneurs? Okay. So, um, <laughs> a, a Buffalo oriented entrepreneur is someone who is just like, okay, like enough of this. I am just going to charge at this and get through it because a buffalo, when a storm is coming over, over the mountains on the prairies, a buffalo will look over their shoulder and say, oh, the storm is coming. I know how to get through this fast. And they actually reverse course and they go straight into the storm because if you go into the storm as it's coming out, you, you will get through the storm faster. Right. Because you're going against the storm. A cow, on the other hand, who's grazing in the field will feel the, the stormy weather, look over their shoulder and say, oh, a storm is coming. I better keep moseying this way. And so because they're moseying in the direction that the storm is going, the storm will catch up with them and then they'll be stuck in the storm because they'll just be in it when the storm catches up with them, they won't be going through it. And so an entrepreneur who's like a buffalo is like, all right, let's fix this now. Let's stop everything. Let's not, let's go against the grain. Let's not do what everyone else is doing. And I mean, I think I've described, you know, what a lot of people are doing. They're being subjective in the interviews. They are um, not testing candidates. They are just relying on an interview process uh, to, to assess talent. And again, in a subjective manner. Um, So, so those entrepreneurs and with those kind of traditional hiring practices, I mean, that's how 95% of businesses are doing it. They're like cows in a field when a storm is coming. They're just going to keep doing the same old, same old. They're going to get stuck in it. They're going to just have to weather the storm where the entrepreneurs who are like Buffalo are just like, okay, enough of this. Let's, 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 let's change course. Let's fix this and let's get through it and we'll get through it fast and we'll get through it better. Wow. Yep. (laughs) That makes sense. So be a buffalo. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
Okay. So what are some resources that someone can check out if they want to learn more about hiring five-star employees? So um, we, I, I did go through them kind of quickly and, and a little bit um, not so obviously, but uh, the five criteria, the five-star rating system. So if you would like um, a, the guide that we have on how to recruit and hire five-star employees, um, and, and I talked a little bit about the 11 qualities of a five-star employee, those are detailed in there. Um, you can text never settle as one word, that's never settle to 411321. So never settle to 411321, and you'll get our guide on how to hire five-star employees. Nice. Thank you so much. And on that note, what are three books you'd recommend to listeners and why? So um, I would I would still recommend uh, Top Grading. I would um, also recommend uh, my uh, business partner, Mike Michalowicz's books, Profit First. Um, it's a cash management system for small businesses. I'm actually the host of the web of the podcast, Profit First Nation. And then I would also recommend um, his book, Clockwork. So um, Clockwork uh, really gets your business um, to run itself where you um, you know have employees who are doing the job so that you can step away and take a four-week vacation. Nice. Nice. Great, Danielle. Where, where can the listeners connect with you online? Uh, so you can follow me on LinkedIn. I would love to connect with you on LinkedIn. I love to answer questions. Um, and so LinkedIn is the best place, or you can visit us at fivestaremployees.com. That's the number five staremployees.com. Okay, great. Great. Well, again, I want to thank you so much for joining us, Danielle. Thank you, Shane. It's been a wonderful conversation. It's been great. And uh, yeah, that Buffalo story. Yes. <laughs> Be the Buffalo. <laughs> yes, of course. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Zen Bites, where we just blended ancient wisdom and business continuity, empowering you to create a CX-focused Zen lifestyle business. 